Hey, g'day mate, welcome to episode 75 of the Exponential Performance Podcast. It is so good to have you here. Now in this episode, Nick sits down with endurance runner Susie White and has an interview uh, with her. Now we came across Susie, she's been a listener of the Exponential Performance Podcast and she often posts on her Instagram account uh, how she's listening to the podcast while uh, studying for her nutrition degree, which is pretty cool. Uh, and we, we noticed on her Instagram that she'd been out and done a crazy challenge during lockdown, uh, and it's called the David Goggins 4x4x48 uh, challenge. And what it entails is running four miles, for those people that aren't in America where you use miles, it is 6.4 kilometers every four hours, uh, for 48 hours and so she did this over lockdown and we thought that's awesome let's have a catch up with her and uh, and see what it was all about see how she got on now uh, David Goggins if you're not sure who he is he is a retired Navy SEAL uh, and an ultra endurance athlete and just general all-round like hard bastard uh, absolute legend He's got an amazing book out, if you haven't read it already, called Can't Hurt Me. He had a a very abusive uh, childhood uh, and upbringing, um, put on a lot of weight uh, and was sort of going nowhere in life, uh, according to his words. Lost a lot of weight, became a Navy SEAL, went to Ranger School, did all this special operations stuff uh, within the military uh, and then went on to run a lot of ultra marathons and he always talks about callousing the mind so building calluses on your mind so that you can push yourself uh, through any tough situations so here's a little bit of a a glimpse at david goggins four by four by 48 challenge so let's just to give you a little bit of background about what susie got up to check this out Every year I do this challenge where I run four miles every four hours for 48 hours. I'm inviting you all to join me virtually. I'm going to be starting this Friday at 8 o'clock p.m. West Coast time. So, if you can't run four miles, walk. If you can't walk, ride your bike. Can't ride your bike, do some push-ups, some sit-ups, some calisthenics. It takes anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. So just set aside that time every single four hours. So if I'm starting at 8 and I'm done at 9, we start again at 12. So 8, 12, 4 repeats the cycle. That's how it goes. So why am I doing it? Life's all about getting outside your comfort zone, strengthening your mind, callousing your mind, arming your mind. You take this 48 hours and you can put this in your cookie jar. Your cookie jar is a reminder of how badass you are when times get hard in your life. Stay hard. Join me virtually 8 o'clock Friday. So that was the challenge that uh, Susie decided to step up to and take on. And we're going to jump in now to her interview with Nick uh, around that. If you've got any questions for Susie, fire them through and we will get them to her. She seems like a bit of an unassuming type of person that just quietly goes about what needs to be done and pushes herself, uh, which I which I think is awesome. So here it is, Nick's interview with Susie White. Enjoy. Welcome to the Exponential Performance Podcast. Join sports scientist and performance coach Maddie Graham to find out how to train smarter and maximize your performance no matter who you are. 
Hey guys, welcome to the Exponential Performance Podcast with a special interview with Susie White. Hello Susie, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. Good. Although I was just explaining to you before we started, uh, I have a slightly fresher looking hairstyle. So for those that are used to joining the podcast on YouTube, you'll notice that I have no hair on my head at the moment. Uh, I had a wee bit of a home hair uh, cut yesterday that proved that my clippers only have one setting, which is very, very short. So that's okay, but it's worth, worth a laugh if you want to go check it out on YouTube at the moment. But Susie, before we dive into why you're actually on the podcast, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? What do you do study-wise, work-wise, etc.? Um, yep, so I'm second-year university student at Otago, and I'm studying human nutrition um, with a minor in sports nutrition. And I work part-time at a rest home, so that's quite busy at the moment. And um, sometimes I help out in the kitchen as well. Nice. Yeah, I can imagine that work, yeah, working in a rest home at the moment amidst COVID-19 here in New Zealand is a bit of a, an interesting and probably tense um, time. Yeah, definitely. Yes, yes. No, it's, it's, it's not, the, not the best place for, for COVID-19 to end up. So um, hopefully that your, your human nutrition practices will be helping out, especially in the kitchen area. Um, yeah. With those sort of things. But in terms of your study, so your second year through... Nutrition? Yeah. Yep. Cool. So that's kind of gearing up to be a nutritionist, dietetic? dietetic. Well, I'm not quite sure what I want to do yet. I'm kind of wanting to go more like holistic nutrition. So, but I'm keeping my options open for dietetics. So, yeah, cool. We'll just see what happens there. Mm. It's a, a ever changing field. And I think the the field of dietitian or dietetics is kind of changing a little bit in that respect, isn't it? Where a lot more people are practicing nutrition at a, a non-dietetic level. Um, yeah. And uh, leaving the, the dietetic side of things for the, the more clinical-based um, processes. But certainly going back to, to Maddie and mine day at, at the nutrition school, there was, it was a very clear pathway. You're either a, sort of a, a nutrition student or you're a diet, dietitian. Um, but now I think there's a lot more opportunities to branch um, and we've had a few guests on the past podcasts that uh, are kind of in that holistic nutrition space um, so it could be could be quite an interesting area to end up in yeah um, but with that in mind um, and I know I did prompt you around this but your your views on nutrition before we start what would you um I'm vegan and basically I've been vegan for about five or so years now mm-hmm um originally i went vegan for i don't want to say selfish but more health reasons because i thought it was better for my health but now doing more research about it i think i'm vegan for like all the reasons if that makes sense like i can see a lot more than just health now which is quite yeah and um, a few years after I went vegan, my dad actually went vegan too, and that helped a lot. And now my mum's pretty much vegan as well, so okay. it's much easier in the household now that I've moved back home. Yes, yeah. yeah, it would be quite hard to be in a household with, I guess, them not eating veganism and you, but you eating that way. Um, yeah. Especially coming at it from, I guess, all beliefs and um, kind of paradigms around veganism. Um, Mm. Okay, and that before 
before you shifted to, to being a vegan, were you just you were consuming normal diet, sort of um, standard diet? I was a vegetarian and then I was a okay. vegetarian. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so you've kind of moved, <laughs> moved down the spectrum. Yeah. 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 Nice. That's all good. Um, and that probably leads us on to introducing your sporting background and all what you um, yeah, so I pretty much played most sports growing up. My my family's pretty active, so my parents always, like, encouraged us to play everything. I actually used to play water polo for Otago for about four years, mm-hmm. and I was quite into that. But then after high school, I kind of just stopped that and focused on my running. Yeah. Yeah. And, and running's your main discipline now? Yeah. Yep. I actually like getting into cycling quite a bit now. Yeah. I thought I might have a go at triathlons, but I'm not too keen on the swimming. <laughs> <laughs> There's always multi-sport. There's a few, a few multi-sport listeners that are yeah. just with the kayaking. But um, for those, again, that are on YouTube, we'll be able to see a bike round in the back. Um, so it's kind of <laughs> good that you did lead into that biking. And I know your dad's quite heavily in the, the cycling scene in Dunedin, isn't he? Um, yeah, he's just yeah. right into it there. Yeah. Um, but specifically, I guess with your running, uh, you prefer sort of the longer distance events, really, don't you? Yeah, it hasn't always been like that. <laughs> <laughs> I started um, started on the track where most running starts, but I don't really have that much fast twitch fibers. I don't think. Um, so. I actually used to go to um, like a running group when I was at high school and we'd do like reps, like 1K reps around the big field at Logan Park. And um, it was quite funny because every rep I'd actually get, everyone else would get slower and our coach would time our reps and every rep he'd laugh at me because I'd have the same time every rep. Like (laughs) I wouldn't change like, and that's kind of how I knew, like, I could run, like, long and keep up the same speed. Like, yep. that's the kind of running I enjoy. Mm. Yeah. And that makes makes sense, too, if you enjoy that sort of, I guess, more endurance side of um, interval yeah. training, especially, that you're going to gravitate towards the, the sort of slightly longer events. Um, yeah. And, and what, sort of, what would be the, uh, the longest or the, the biggest uh, race or event that you've done? date um so i've done tarawera 50k twice now okay and yeah i really enjoy that race you must enjoy it to go to go back to that part of the country from yeah. here uh especially which for the non new zealand listeners is one of the hardest places to get to probably from dunedin is, is rotorua <laughs> um, but so you went back twice so did the year straight like two years back to back yeah yeah nice how'd you go the second year following up pretty good I was pretty happy with my time because obviously the first time I did it that was the first ultra I had done mm-hmm. like the longest I'd ever run and it was it was interesting got quite bad stitch had to walk a lot of it but the second year was very good I ran pretty much all the way yeah I was pretty happy with that cool effort yeah and so did you train differently for the second year, knowing what you're in for? Yeah, I think I knew more what was coming. Yeah. yeah. 
I did a lot more hill work because it's quite a hilly course. Yeah, yeah. And probably too, I think with a <clears throat> with endurance running, especially um, at a younger age, it is a lot harder for, for younger athletes. Um, but yeah. we're seeing more and more younger people getting into endurance running because it seems to be a, a trend instead of going to the marathon kind of stuff, people go to ultra distance. Yeah. Um, and so that can sometimes just play a part in, in training age, the, the amount of time that you've actually spent running and the, what your body can handle. Yeah, there definitely wasn't many people my age on the start line there. No, no, I can imagine. No, no one was looking at me like, what is she doing here? But I was <laughs> like, I'm not as young as I look. <laughs> yeah, and so you think that the, the endurance running is something, you know, uh, let's assume that COVID-19 hadn't happened in, in the world and events were going to happen. Um, did you have any more lined up? this year i was gonna do three peaks again this year which is the Dunedin race mm -hmm. um but yeah and i wanted to do um naseby ultra mm -hmm. not sure if you heard about that one and i think that's in august yeah and then i was also planning to train i want to do the 102 at terrawera in february so I haven't told parents that yet, but... <laughs> oh, why not break it to them on a podcast? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah cool. So get kind of leads into the, the reason you're on this podcast, I guess, which is recently you completed a challenge uh, called the David Goggins Challenge, uh, and it might have a slightly more technical name than that, which I'll let you introduce. So for those of you that haven't heard about David Goggins, I will give you a quick wee bio on him, and I'm reading this straight from Wikipedia. But he is an American ultra marathon runner, an ultra distance cyclist, a triathlete, a motivational speaker, and an author. He's a retired United States Navy SEAL and former United States Air Force Tactics Air Control Party member who served in the Iraq War. He is also known to be uh, the world record holder for the most pull ups done in 24 hours. And has a very interesting book out called Can't Hurt Me, uh, which was released uh, a few years back. But he is a pretty uh pretty phenomenal kind of guy um he's done a lot obviously serving in the iraq war but as a navy seal and in his book can't hurt me he goes into a lot of detail about what they do in the the navy seal kind of training camps and i forget the name of the uh, hell week i think it's called and he's worth listening to he's a bit of a uh bit of a hard sort of man to listen to and he has a very much the attitude of of hard and up, which uh, Maddie goes into quite a bit in, in the podcast sometimes. And I think Maddie has actually talked around uh, David Goggins before. But the David Goggins challenge that we're talking uh, about with Susie today, do you want to just give us an introduction as to what the David Goggins challenge was all about? Yep. So first I came across it on, I'm part of a Facebook group called Plant-Based Endurance Athletes. And Someone just posted the David Goggins challenge and said that they just completed it and said it was one of the hardest things I'd ever done. So I really wanted to try that for myself. Um, so it's called four times, four times 48. And you run four miles, which is 6.4K every four hours for 48 hours. Okay. That's quite, quite full on, really, for 48 hours. Yeah. 76.8k over 48 okay. hours yeah yeah and could you could does it have to be every on every fourth 
hour essentially. So you have to start on every four hours. You couldn't do one at one hour and one at sort of seven hours and give yourself a big break in the middle. No, I think he no. specifically said on the hour, like yeah. if it takes you now, you've got three hours to recover. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's pretty, pretty interesting. And I think there'd be a lot of people, especially that aren't runners that would look at that and be like, well, actually, you know, six, six K let's call it. It's not too far. Most of us could probably walk 5K in an hour if we wanted to, if not 6K. Yeah. But I guess it's the not so much the physical component of that, but the mental component of going back to back to back to back through the night, um, not much sleep, uh, I imagine, um, if any. Yeah. Um, and then just that physical toll that it sort of takes on the body. Um, so when you saw the challenge on, your, on the, the Facebook page, what made you instantly think, right, I want to try that? Well, the week before, I decided every week of lo- every weekend of lockdown, I'm going to do the challenge. Because yep. instead of, like, doing a race, I really wanted to challenge myself, just keep myself sane. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first weekend, I did um, a thing called Ultra Looney's Backyard Race, who Steve Tripp organised. and. Yep. I think it did about 43k around my backyard, which is, which is like three, like not even 100 meters in a circle. So yeah, that was that was pretty mentally tough in itself. Um, but then, yeah, this challenge, I thought I might as well do something something else challenging mm. like that. Yeah. Yes, and I saw. A- so the, the the backyard backyard loony race or whatever they they called it, yeah. um, and Steve Tripp for for most listeners probably haven't come across Steve Tripp, but they do run their own podcast from time to time called Crush the Cargo, and they're quite no. famous for running an event in Dunedin called Crush the Cargo, which is a, a multi lap race up and down Mount Cargo, uh, which is one of Dunedin's mountains um, or hills compared to some places around the world. Uh, and you go non-stop for 24 hours. Um, but they're very famous at, at sort of putting their marketing all over the show. So if you haven't seen them, uh, we'll give Steve a shout out and, and go go follow Crush the Cargill on Facebook and see what they're all about. Um, but it is, like I said, a very different challenge to running loops around your backyard. backyard. Um, because I guess at that stage you could have stopped, you could have, um, you could eat. This is a sort of a 6K on the four-hour mark um, and just yeah. keep going and going. So... Talk us through that sort of first couple of laps when you you know you, you're out there you're probably feeling quite fresh and you know ready to go, but that kind of mental component of thinking about how many laps you're going to be doing um, in those first couple. Yeah, I think I realized the first couple felt good because I started at four p.m. on a Friday, so I'd worked out I'd finish at twelve on a Sunday on the Sunday, and the first couple I felt good. And then I think once I realised actually how long it was going to take, that was the hardest bit. Like how I think I got to like three and I was like, oh, my goodness, I've still got nine to go. I mean, I should be thinking, oh. But that's what happens in your mind, eh? You like you start thinking about, oh, I've got this much more to go. But, mm. yeah, definitely the night ones were the hardest. Yeah. Yeah. So – Started at four on a Friday, so you probably had two, did you, in, in the light to start with? Two or three? No, 
Two? No, just one. the twelve, just the four o'clock one, and then by eight o'clock it was dark. Mm, true. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you went straight into some darkness. Um, once. Yeah. And, and did you get to sleep that first night at all? Maybe an hour and a bit. Yep. <laughs> I tried to as soon as I got back from the night ones. I tried to get back straight into bed, but your mind is like just racing. Like as soon as you got back from a run, so it's really hard to fall back asleep mm. after yep. running. It'd be interesting too. I mean, I know in some of those ultra races, especially up around the, the hundred plus k's, people do tend to have a little bit of a sleep from time to time. They might take 15, 20 minutes. But I guess trying to get a, an hour or so, you, you're really entering into that deeper sleep pattern. Yeah. Your body's requiring to shut off and then you're waking yourself back up. And, you know, most of us have probably had at some point had a, a really restless sleep or we've woken up in the middle of the night and not been able to get back to sleep. And you do feel pretty ugh and groggy yeah. getting back up. So I imagine to get back up and go for another run uh, and then come back would have been a bit, a bit hard on the system. Yeah. And so you got through the first night into the next day um, and it started with been it started to get a bit lighter. Uh, did that help with lifting your mood at all? It actually did, yeah. The ones of the day felt good, like I was doing 450s, I think, which in the night I think I was doing like 520, 515s. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that was because I... In the night, I was running up and down my street just because I'd seen a few cops out. And at the moment, my parents were like, well, you don't really have a reason to be running up the main street of Moscow. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't think that would be a reason to be out. So So just keep the house and close to home. Yeah, so sort of change the course a little bit. So if you're doing on your street, did you have to do like a number of sort of laps on the street? Yeah, I think the street we live on is like 300 metres long, so... Okay, so you sort of add in another element of mental toughness by doing um, a significant number of laps on your street in the middle of the night. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that would have helped too, then come the next day you're right back to running a a bit of a loop, sort of out and about, um, seeing some new places, so... You would have gone through another complete night on the Saturday night then, How how did the second night go? I was fine, um, like mentally, up until about six o'clock on the second night. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm not, I'm only halfway. What am I doing, you know? Um, (laughs) I think I messaged my friends and I was like, trying, I was making up all these excuses in my head, like, I've got shin splints, like, you know, your mind starts playing tricks on you when Mm. you're thinking like that but I I think I'm like pretty tough like if I say I'm going to do something I'm going to make sure I do it like I try to stick to my word um so yeah I think once I started the eight o'clock run I knew I was going to finish it yeah yeah because as soon as I think it's before you start going like you're it's harder but then as soon as you get out the door, you're like, oh, it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like going for a, a bike ride or a run when it's wet, isn't it? You're here, thinking, oh, you, you're sitting inside, you're not really wanting to go outside, it's cold, it's wet, and then you get outside, oh, actually, it's not that bad. It's just that process of getting started. 
Yeah, exactly. And like you said, from a, a mental point of view, it's it's one thing to, to think, right, I come, I'm you know, pretty tough, I can do what I say, but to physically go out and do it like you have, um, you know, you can really sort of lay claim to the fact that you do follow through with what you say you're going to do, especially on a re- repeat kind of process like this. Yeah. And it's, um, so I guess that last one, so the last one was at 12 o'clock or you finished at 12 o'clock? So your last one would have been at? Uh, no, last one started at 12 o'clock. Started at 12 on the Sunday. Yeah, cool. So how did that one feel? Was that that was pretty tough, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it didn't feel as bad because I think I pumped myself up so much. Like I, I like to listen to music before I go. Mm-hmm. And like I think my parents thought I'd gone a bit delusional because I was feeling pretty happy. And they're like, what? But um, no, that was... I, my goal for the last one was to stay under five minutes and, mm. and get a four fifties for the last one. So, yeah, that's pretty pretty impressive to be route that relatively consistent across <laughs> board with all those laps. Um, yeah, but I think to, it's it's natural to be elevated and and sort of pumped on the last one, whether it be yeah, the last five yeah. k of uh, a fifty k race or you know the last lap of of multiple laps through the night. Uh, because we know we're about to finish and we kind of get that heightened sense of, of achievement. Um, yeah. But in terms of, of how your body held up, you said you got, you know, you got some shin splints along the way. Um, I know you've had a few injuries in the, in the past, uh, <laughs> but did the body hold up okay? Yeah, it actually did. It was actually quite amazing. Mm. Like I thought I'd be a lot sore than I was in. My mum, actually, she's pretty good. She gave me a few rubs during the course of the 48 hours, so I was a bit lucky there. Yeah. Um, and also have a spa, so that was quite nice um, to get in. But the weather actually was pretty good, so that made it, like, mentally easier as well. I think if it was, like, rainy and windy, it would be even tougher. Mm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to to repeat the challenge, I guess, on a a, a very like wet, wild sort of weekend um, in yeah. that respect. Um, but okay, so your body held together relatively well, uh, thanks to mum and the sparkle. <laughs> uh, nutritional wise, how did you fuel yourself, or, or what did you use for recovery post runs? And um, it's a bit of a tough one because um, I think in I used to be quite, um, I used to focus on like nutrition a bit too much, I think. And like the last 50K I did, I just tried to like listen to my body, I think. And I think that works really well for me, like trying not to focus too much on what I eat and just eat, if that makes sense. Yep. So, um, yeah, I guess mum made some cinnamon scrolls and ciabatta bread and I was just trying to eat lots of carbs I guess yeah and few few protein shakes and stuff yeah and like I said it's it's interesting how I think a lot of athletes fall into this the the mindset of okay I've got to focus so tightly on my nutrition I've got to have every little nutritional pack broken down set out weighed and etc um and it doesn't always work that way on, on the day, especially when you add in the, the stress um, of a race or a, a challenge like this. Uh, so yeah. to kind of be able to let go of that and just eat calories, essentially, um, 
was probably a good mental battle to win in itself, potentially for your yeah. racing going forward. Um, yeah. You know, especially when you're going to get to a, a race like Tauria and you go to an aid station and they might not have what you think they're going to have or exactly, you know, yeah. lost your race pack, whatever it might be. So you've got to just eat something. Yeah. I'm trying to like train my body to just like eat anything and run because yeah. I deal quite bad with like stomach issues. So I'm trying to just, you know, I think if I don't think about it, it's like a lot better, you know, if you just eat and then think, oh yeah, just go. Much better, yeah. Yeah, and that kind of training yourself to eat uh, is almost like training your stomach to eat just generally during a um, exercise session. Uh, and I think it was in one of the previous podcasts, Maddie and I were talking around that sort of training your gut. You know, you can't just expect to go from running on not eating anything to all of a sudden eating pizza on a run, uh, and it's yeah. going to be okay on the stomach. So, so that's a really cool, a cool win, I guess, too, from your your challenge going forward. Yeah. Um, so along the way, uh, how did you, did you document your, uh, your challenge? Did you, you know, hashtag David Goggins? Did he reach out at all uh, or anything no, like that? Unfortunately, he didn't, but that's all right. He's probably got a lot on his plate. Um, I did actually document my process on my Instagram mm-hmm. um, and got quite a few comments about why the hell I'm doing what I'm doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it was quite good to document it because keeps yeah. it for later on. Exactly, um, and I guess that kind of poses the question: Would you try it again, or will you try it again? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's a it's a, uh, a definitive answer, really. <laughs> yeah, I want to do all those crazy races, so yeah, gotta keep doing stuff like that. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly from the the training through the night and running through the night and getting up at strange times of the day and eating strange foods and so forth. It's whether you, you remove the, the mental aspect of the challenge you did, it's a, a really good training tool, I guess. Um, yeah. In some cases for endurance running and ultra running, um, yeah. but then just to have that mental ability to say, right, okay, I've, I've been through a worse situation than what I am in this current race uh, and so forth. And that's, where I think some of these challenges and especially around what I've heard David Goggins talk about is just, you know, rationalizing, okay, I'm not going to die. I'm not in a, a war, a war situation where people are firing at me all the time or, or whatever the, the extreme case might be. Um, it's just that kind of rationalization and something that Maddie's talked about in the, the hardened up side of things before. Yeah. I think I learned a lot from it. Mm. That's cool. That's cool. Um, so if people wanted to, to jump on to your Instagram to, to, to have a look at what you did, uh, how, do, how would they track you down? Um, I think my username is Lydia Susie underscore runs. Okay. Do you want to just maybe spell it out for people? Oh, sorry. Um, it's L-I-D-I-A-S-U-Z-I-E underscore runs. Cool. So yeah, people, you go, go, go check it out. Some, some interesting running adventures uh, on there and some, some interesting food challenges uh, that your, your parents have been lumped into recently. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, hopefully, hopefully going forward that you, you get to do Tarawera uh, in February next year. Um, I guess anything's possible in the current climate around the world with COVID-19. Yeah. 
but is there any any sort of parting uh, parting comments around the challenge if you'd like to, to throw it out to people to, to attempt the challenge uh, oh definitely i think everyone should do it even if you just like walk it i think that would still be possible mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Or, or I think David Goggins even said you could bike it. Like, yeah. Like, it's just about doing something different, pushing yourself. Yeah, and that's what I think when I, I do we look into it. I think, like you said, just doing something different, and doesn't matter what the mode of exercise is—running, walking, swimming, um, rowing machine—just the the act of doing something every four hours through the night, mm-hmm. disrupting your normal patterns. Uh, is something that everybody could could really take some value in, and, and maybe maybe we could take something from this and create a wee hard enough challenge ourselves uh, for people on the podcast going forward. Yeah, sounds good. Cool. Well, thank you for your time, Susie. Um, That's all right. Thanks for having me. No worries. I'm sure I'm sure exponential performance will be following your your performance going forward. mate thanks for listening if you would like to support this podcast and see it continue into the future you can do so in a number of ways firstly make sure you subscribe to this channel on whatever platform you are listening like and share the podcast on social media to help spread the word if you're feeling really generous head over and leave a review and a rating over on iTunes. This helps spread the word and develop the podcast. All of this will help the podcast continue long into the future so we can keep bringing you the information you need to train hard, but most importantly, train smart.